Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The message for today, this Sunday of the Passion, Palm Sunday, rises up out of that gospel reading, the Passion account of our Lord Jesus Christ from Matthew's Gospel. The Lord has seen fit to bless us with a bright and beautiful day for which we give thanks and praise. Sunday of the Passion, Palm Sunday, which is it? It's both. It is a both and today we enter into what is called Holy Week, the finale, the climax of this 40-day Lenten season. These sacred days in the week ahead will lead us into the mystery of what is central to our Christian faith, the suffering, the death, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it begins today with what we call Palm Sunday, of course, commemorating Jesus' triumphant entrance into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday, countless centuries ago, amidst shouts of hosannas and waving of palm branches. But what's up with palm branches? What's the story behind these? It may be a mystery to us, but not so in the ancient world at the time of Jesus. Palm branches were widely understood as a sign, a symbol of victory, of triumph, of peace, of eternal life. In waving these back and forth, the people were sending a clear message of the triumph and the victory they saw in Jesus. This is how our worship began, right? Outside, in the courtyard, in the front walkway. A joyful acclamation of Jesus, our triumphant King. The mood is upbeat as we shout our hosannas, wave our palm branches, processing here into the house of the Lord. But then the mood shifts. It changes, taking a decidedly somber turn as Palm Sunday morphs into the Sunday of the Passion. Jesus' passion, his suffering, and his death upon the cross. That word passion needs a little bit of explaining in our world today. Today, most people hear the word passion and they think of some powerful emotion that you can barely contain. Passion. That's not what is meant here. Jesus' passion is rooted in a much more ancient definition of that word coming from the Latin and the Greek languages, passio, which means to suffer. And there's the connection. Jesus' passion means his suffering his death, hence the name for today, Sunday of the Passion. Our Lenten preaching series, At the Crossroads, it continues today as we focus on Jesus' suffering for you and for me. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. 
Nobody likes to suffer. Would you agree with that? Yep. It's unpleasant at best. We don't like it. We avoid it if we can, which is why lots of people don't want to go to the dentist's office. Why lots of people avoid going to have that very unpleasant medical procedure done. We just don't even want to think about it. And yet, suffering is something we see and hear of each and every day. Just watch the news, because the news is pretty much all about suffering, right? Famine, natural disaster, warfare and violence, acts of cruelty, man's inhumanity to man. Talk to the Aljamus family about suffering. They can tell you clearly what that looks like. But you see, suffering is not just out there somewhere on the news. It can hit a lot closer to home as well. How many of you have watched a loved one suffer through a major illness with all of the symptoms, all of the testing, all of the treatments, nasty as they can be, making it sometimes seem like the cure is worse than the disease. Or how many of you have walked in those shoes yourself? How many of you know what it's like to suffer through a loved one's addiction or abuse from a loved one? We don't like to talk about that stuff, but it happens. And we especially don't like to talk about it at church. But we need to talk about it. How many of you know what it means to suffer silently through injustices in life? At work? From friends? Yeah, we know what suffering looks like from our own life experience, but we often see no meaning or purpose in it. We cry out to God. We may even rail against God because we see no meaning or purpose in this suffering. And this kind of thing can breed resentment, bitterness, toward God on the part of people who feel abandoned by God in their suffering, in their time of need. We question, God, why are you allowing this to happen? What good can come from all of this suffering? We often see no redemptive value in suffering. Do we see redemptive value in Jesus' suffering? We hear it. We read it in Scripture. We see it depicted in art form around the walls of this sanctuary. We meditate upon it. We think upon it. And yet these do not begin to touch the awful reality of Jesus' passion, his suffering. It is difficult, writes the late biblical scholar and author F.F. F. Bruce, it is difficult after 16 centuries and more during which the cross has become a sacred symbol to realize the unspeakable horror and loathing which the very mention or thought of the cross provoked at the time of Jesus. 
The word in Latin, crux, C-R-U-X, which means cross, that word crux was unmentionable in polite Roman society. Even when one was being condemned to death by crucifixion, the sentence used an archaic formula which served as a sort of euphemism. Arbori infelici suspendito. Hang him on the unlucky tree. Hmm. That's usually what we think of suffering, don't we? Somebody was unlucky. We're sorry it was the other person, but we're glad it wasn't us. Was Jesus merely unlucky in the wrong place, the wrong time? Or is there something deeper going on here? As we heard in that passion reading from the gospel lesson for today, even after Jesus had been scourged, being whipped with pieces of metal or bone attached to the ends of the thongs on the whip, tearing out entire pieces from flesh in the back, people often died from that alone. But Jesus did not. And even when he hung suspended between heaven and earth on the tree of the cross, people made it their business to come by and heap abuse and scorn on him, as we heard, kicking somebody, the victim, when they're down. The religious rulers did that very thing. He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him if he wants to. He said, I am the son of God. You know, they're almost right, but not quite. It's not he saved others. He cannot save himself. The truth is, he saved others. He will not save himself. Big difference between them. And this opens the door to see the redemptive value of Jesus' suffering. He would not save himself in order that he might save you and me. He would not save himself in order that he might save us from sin and from death and from hell itself, rescuing us, redeeming us, buying us back for eternal life. That is what is at work here. Jesus took upon himself our sin, our guilt, our shame, the evil we've done, the good we failed to do, our suffering, dying the death that should have been ours. He died for us that we might live for him. Friends, this is why we tell and retell again and again this amazing story of Jesus. 
He was forsaken by the Father in his suffering on the cross in his hour of utmost need. You heard it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He did that so that we might not now or ever be forsaken by the Father. No matter what we might think or how we might feel, the truth of the matter is Jesus was forsaken so that we would never be. In faith, we say with that centurion, truly this was, this is the Son of God. You know me, wearing the glasses, right? I've worn them since I've been 10 years old in the fourth grade, but more recently, I've started wearing other glasses as well, which I have here, computer glasses. We get to a certain age, quote unquote, and these become very handy little devices for that screen work close up. How many of you know what I'm talking about here with computer glasses? Oh yes, exactly. I see differently through these. And that's how it is when we view our suffering through the lens of Jesus suffering. In our suffering, whatever it may be, we may find ourselves at a crossroads. We can choose to see this only as this terrible burden, this horrible inconvenience, this random affliction, or through the lens of Jesus suffering for us and for our salvation, we can see our suffering as something different. Something that we might not necessarily ever have chosen for ourselves, but through which God can accomplish good, even amazing things, not just for us, but for the people around us. God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine is more than able to transform suffering into blessing. And this is why we can say with Paul the Apostle, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. We know that those who love God, for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
My friends, as we enter into this great and holy week and view again the enormity of the sacrifice of Jesus, our suffering Savior, let this be a time of blessing and renewed faith for us all. Amen.